Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you this morning. I'm so excited. We are launching a brand new series entitled Yourself this morning. Now, maybe you've had somebody say, it's time for you to take a little time for yourself. You really ought to do something for yourself. And that's what we're going to do over the next month. We're going to take a moment, step back, and we're going to work on you. Now, part of the reason why we don't take more time for ourselves is because we don't feel like we have the time. Also, it's stinking hard to work on you, okay? It's really much more easy. It's much easier to work on somebody else. Like if I asked you, I can prove it to you. If I asked you, what are the three things that you need to change right now that would make the biggest difference over this next year? You would be like, I'm going to need to get back with you on that. Give me like a day. I need to think about it. But if I said, what are the top three things that your roommate needs to change? You could come up with those in like two minutes, right? What are the three things your spouse needs to change? Oh, I know. I have them memorized. I got you. I I can tell you right now. Uh, The top three things my kids need to work on, my parents need to work on, I know what those are. I can help you. I can be your life coach. I I know everything you need to work on, but you don't need to work, work on me. I'm good. You don't need to tell me what mine are, right? And that's how many of us are when it comes to ourselves. So I want to tell you up front, this next four weeks is going to be great in terms of what it's going to do to accelerate your spiritual growth, but it's going to be some hard work. Now, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to talk about yet today, but next week we're going to talk about how to preach to yourself. Guess what? You're already preaching at yourself. You just might not be very good at it. You might be preaching some really horrible things. We're going to talk about how to do it well. How do you preach to yourself? There's already internal dialogue going on in your life. We're going to talk about that next weekend. And the next week we're going to talk about how to forget yourself. Forgetting yourself, the art of self-forgetfulness, is one of the most freeing things you could learn in this life. Jesus taught it all the time. We're going to talk about how do you do that. And then the last week, we're going to talk about how to replenish yourself. We have forgotten in this country how to Sabbath, how to take time to replenish, to refresh, to rest. God made us This engine, this body that we've been given to rest one in seven days. And we need to do that. How do we do that? What does that look like in our today's times, in our culture today? We're going to talk about that in week four. Don't miss out on any of these weeks. But this week, as we talk about how to work on us, I I want to share with you today something that Jesus said. This is the thing that seeks to control your life. Like every single one of us, me included, all of us, it seeks to control your life and not in a good way. It's the thing that causes you to do things you don't want to do and it keeps you from certain things you want to do. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a list of a couple of statements that this thing that we're going to talk about does to you. And at the end, I'm going to see if you can guess what it is. All right. It's going to be fun. We're going to have fun here. All right. So here's what we're talking about today. It's the thing inside of us that keeps us from and causes us to. It keeps us from really celebrating other people's successes. Ooh, that's kind of ugly, isn't it? 
It keeps, it keeps you from apologizing when you know you're wrong, but you're only like 5% wrong, and they're like 95% wrong, and you're thinking, they need to apologize first because they're way more wrong than me, right? And that's happened to all of us. Number three is it keeps you from arguing. It keeps you arguing your point long after you realize you don't really have a very good point, it, but you want to be the, you have the last word. And so you keep arguing, oh, I do that. I hate that. I don't like it when I do that. All right. The next one is it keeps you from admitting your weakness. It keeps you from admitting that you're lost. It keeps you from admitting that you need help. It keeps you from admitting that you don't know what you're doing right now, but you're just making it up as you go along, and you won't admit it, but people already know all around you that's what you're doing, right? We've all been there at times. Here's the next one. It causes you to feel good when others fail. You hear, oh, that's terrible news, and deep down you're like, yes, he had it coming. She had it coming. You know, like, that's ugly, isn't it? Where does that come from? What is causing that? That's weird. Number six, it causes you to lie about your past, about your past failed marriage. It makes you lie about your, the fact that you never graduated or that you got fired from that job or whatever it is that you just do not tell the truth or you skirt it. You don't want to talk about it. What is it that causes you to deceive about your past? All right. Does anybody have any guesses? What are we talking about today? Pride. You nailed it. That's what we're talking about. And just for clarification's sake, we're not talking about the, the kind of pride that inspires you, like that you're proud of your, your daughter or your son or your grandchild when they excel academically or athletically. That's not what we're talking about today, or the pride of uh, a job well done, not comparison with anyone else. Just, you're, you're just, you just feel good, like you did a good job. This is the ugly side of pride. The ugly side of pride that was described by the great writer, Christian thinker of the last century, C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, he, he said this about pride. He says, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all of that are mere flea bites. I love how he described it. They're like flea bites in comparison. It was, it was through pride that the devil became the devil. Think about that. That's a big statement. Pride leads to every other vice or every other sin. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Wow, that's a heavy statement from a guy who had thought about it an awful lot. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, we need to talk about pride today. Because it is in you and it is in me. And it has been... Uh, it has reared its ugly head in your life, and you have been the victim of pride at times, and you have caused other people to be the victim of pride because it's in all of us. But here's the thing about pride is that it, the big problem with pride is that we can spot it in a second in other people. Oh, he's prideful. Look at her. She's prideful. Look at that. That's pride. That's pride. But it is near impossible to see in the mirror, to see it in ourselves, because, and here's why, because we tend to think that pride is equivalent with being overly arrogant. And you're not overly arrogant, and neither am I. So we think, we're good. We don't have a pride problem, you know? But pride is so much more subtle than that. It hides. It's insidious. It's in places where you didn't think it was, and it will rear its ugly head in the weirdest of times, and you didn't even know you felt that way or that that was going on. 
But this is why we need to talk about it today, because it has the power to control your life and to destroy your life. As a matter of fact, King Solomon, in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, when he was giving wisdom to his children, he's pouring out this wisdom that God had given him, and he's pouring it out. And here's one of the things he said about pride in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. He says, pride always goes before destruction, or pride comes before the fall. You see, any great person, even not so great people, who have a big destructive fall in their life, pride preceded it. Pride caused it every time. It was pride. I got this. I don't need anybody. I don't need God. I'm good. And he says, this is what causes the destruction. Today, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus offers a solution for this control issue in our life. Jesus offers a way out that you can escape from and, and be relinquished from the grip of pride in your life. So first, I want us to ask the question, how does pride control us? How does that happen? First, I want to talk about pride. The word pride in the New Testament is literally defined as a word that means to puff up or to blow up. Sometimes we use the phrase, wow, they really got a big head. <laughs> they really think, what we're saying is they, they think they're a way bigger deal than they really are, you know? Uh, that they, they think that, oh man, I'm way important. You know, you can just hear the way they speak to people, the way they act, the way they expect people to respond to them. <clears throat> it's a big deal. But the thing about pride is that what it promises and what it delivers are diametrically opposite. It promises that it will make you important, a big deal. It'll make you huge. But what it delivers is that it actually shrinks you and diminishes your capacity as a human being. This is what it does. That it, pride always diminishes your capacity, and it does it by taking away your ability to do critical things in your life, especially the things that count towards healthy, God-centered relationships and being able to live a life that is honoring to God. Let's talk about a few of those areas where pride won't let you do something. First, pride won't let you acknowledge others. Pride doesn't want you to celebrate when someone else has a victory. Someone else, their gifting, their talents, their abilities, we don't point that out and say, my goodness, your talent. Wow, look at you. That's awesome. Because some weird little secret part of us feels like if we celebrate other people too much, it kind of makes us look little. It's going to shrink us. But just the opposite is the truth. That pride is what shrinks us. You know right now, some, and I hope you'll hear this right now, right now in your life, there are some of you sitting in this room, you've got people in your life at work and at home that are dying to hear just one encouraging word from your lips, just to hear something positive that come from you about them because they haven't heard it or haven't heard it in a long, long time and they question whether or not you really do believe in them or that you really do love them or you do. They're looking, but pride. And there's this weird thing because it's like you know you need to do it, but it is really hard to get yourself to do it, to say it, to act in that way. You know why? Because pride always diminishes us. That is part of its diminishing capacity um, function that it does in our life. It starts to control us and it says, nope, you're not doing that. You're not going to be able to do that anymore. 
Not only does it keep us from acknowledging others, but second, pride won't let you uh, apologize when you're wrong. Think about the last time that you realized in a conversation you were wrong and you needed to apologize. Maybe it was in the car on the way to church this morning, okay? Or maybe it was trying to get ready for church this morning. But you know that, that moment when you know you need to apologize, you realize, oop, I'm wrong, she's right. I'm wrong, he's right, I need to, but there is this battle, isn't it weird? There's this battle that goes on. Maybe I'm the only one, okay? But there's this battle that happens inside. It says, oh, I don't want to say it, even though you know they're right. They're totally right, but you don't want to say it. You know what that is? That is pride that is trying to make you its slave. It's trying to say, no, you can't say that. Don't admit it. Don't say it because you're going to be smaller, but actually by not saying it, it shrinks your capacity as a human being. And the next one, pride, won't let you admit your mistakes. It won't let you say, look, I blew it on this one. You're right. And for some of you, again, in this room, you've had some people in your life that really care about you. Maybe they were at work, maybe they're at home, maybe they're friends, maybe they're far away, but they've been trying to warn you about your health. They've been trying to warn you about your schedule. You're trying to do too much. Trying to warn you about your finances, that you're not handling it well. They're trying to warn, and it's just bouncing off of you. Their words don't, they don't penetrate, they don't make any difference in your life. That is the power of pride, ladies and gentlemen. I had a conversation like this recently with my wife where we were talking about things that I need to work on And she brought to my attention, I tend to talk over people sometimes. I hate that about myself. And I don't mean to belittle people, but she told me, like, you know what that says to others? It's like, what I have to say is more important than what you have to say. So be quiet let me talk. Ooh, that stung a little bit, right? And I need to admit, you're right. I need to stop that. I was in a meeting this morning, right before this service, and I caught myself two times saying, no, you finish your sentence, I'm sorry. I tried to interrupt. I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm just telling you, you're not alone if you feel like some of this applies to you. I, I am working on this too. We all have this sense that pride wants to take over, but we've got to admit, and it's in admitting that it is at least in some level, in control, trying to control us, that what has happened is that pride has taken the remote control of our life, and it's saying, where is the down button? I'm going to diminish you. I'm going to shrink you. I'm going to make you my slave, and I'm going to make you do exactly what I want, and I'm going to tell you what you can say and what you can't say, what you can do, what you can't do. Have you ever had that moment where you say, why do I say the things I say sometimes? Why do I do the things I do? Why don't I do the things I know I need to do or to say the things I know I need to say? The thing that's keeping you from doing what you know you need to do and saying the things you need to say is pride. It's because it has the remote control over your life. And it's powerful what it can do in terms of destruction to you. And ultimately, what I'm saying to you is that pride diminishes your capacity to love and to be loved. Ultimately, that's what it does. It shrinks you and it shrinks your capacity to love and to be loved. And how does that do it? Why does that do that? Well, first of all, here's why it does that. Because pride always crowds other people out. You know why? Because you're so full of you, there's no room for anybody else. 
(laughs) And you don't even realize you're doing it. And there are people at work and at home probably in your life right now that are walking on eggshells around you, trying not to offend or hurt your feelings or whatever. And they're too polite to ever tell you. But I'm going to tell you this morning that you need to change because pride has got the remote. It's taking over. It's hurting people. And pride is diminishing everybody else in the room as long as it has the remote. It'll deprioritize other and and, and overprioritize you every single time. And it destroys relationships in the process. And not only does pride crowd others out, but pride even crowds God out. King David, who was the father to King Solomon, as we talked about earlier, King David shared with us one time in Psalms chapter 10, verse 4, he was talking about pride and how it impacts our heart in terms of the way we relate to God. And he said this, it is in his pride, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him, him being God. And in in all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Another translation says, in all of his thoughts, he has thought, there is no God. What David is telling us here is that pride becomes such an in control of your life, has such a, a grasp on the remote of your life, that it will convince you that you are the only one to consider in your life. You're the only one to consider when you make major decisions, major purchases, major whatever, relationships. You're the only one. And for some of you in this room, I'm going to say something right now that that may be really hard to hear, okay? But I'm going to tell you because I feel like I need to tell you the truth. There are some of you in this room that have kept God at arm's length. And can I be really honest with you? That it is not your intellect. It is your pride that has kept you from God. Let me say it another way. The real issue for you is not your intelligence. It is your pride that has kept you uh, pushing people and God away over and over in your life. And some of those people are sitting in this room right now saying, yes, I want to nudge you real bad right now. That's what you do. Your pride is pushing us all away. You're pushing God away. There's no room for anybody. It's crazy what it does. And ultimately what pride does is pride builds you and I a prison. It is. Pride is a prison. It locks us in and everybody else and God included out. And the crazy thing about this, and I have, I've seen this start to happen in my own life at times. When I am, my heart is not in check and I'm not asking people for some accountability in this area is it, is it, the crazy thing is that nobody would want this. Nobody would wish for this. Nobody says, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to push all the people that care and love me far away and make them second guess always whether I really love or support or believe in them. And I'm going to push God away. And I'm not going to leave any room for God or for what he might have wanted to do in, our, in my life. That's what I'm going to do. Nobody does that. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is a consequence of handing the remote of your life to pride. And I see it happen over and over and over in men and women's lives that are brilliant, intelligent, successful, have everything going for them, but pride eats them alive and they don't even know it's happening. I don't want this to be you. And today, I want to offer to you the solution that Jesus offers. 
And Jesus says there's a way out that you don't have to live like this anymore. As a matter of fact, the invitation to follow Jesus is a simultaneous invitation to unfollow pride. Do you see that? They are mutually exclusive. You can't do both. You either are following Jesus or you're following your pride. Now, you may be a Christian who's trying to follow their pride, but you're not following Jesus at the time. It doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. It just means you're not really following Jesus right now. And I just want to challenge you today to begin to think about what is the implication for your life today within yourself? What needs to change within you today? Because here's what happened. When Jesus broke into time and history and space, and he stepped onto this planet, he came into a time, just like today, when power was a big deal. Being able to call the shots, have an elevated position within society to be really important, to be wealthy, to be famous, to be whatever you fill in the blank that is valued by the culture and society of that day, it was a big deal to people, and they all wanted it. How do we help our children to take a step up from where we were? And Jesus looked into all of that, and he says, let me redefine greatness for you for just a moment, okay? Greatness from here forward is not defined by how well you are served, but by how well you serve others. Wait, what, Jesus? What? Who teaches that? Nobody teaches that but Jesus. He's the only one. He says, let me flip this on its head. Living for the benefit of others is true greatness. Jesus taught this over and over and over again. This is what it truly means to be a follower of mine. This is what it truly means to live, to be truly a human being that is in keeping with the design and will of Almighty God that created you. This is how it works. It's elevating and putting others above yourself. It is so important that once we understand what pride is doing to us, it was important for me to talk about that. So once we understand what pride is doing to us, now we can more fully appreciate what Jesus has done for us. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus, when he steps into time and history, he is misunderstood at very least. His rights were absolutely violated in a day when everybody demands their rights, right? Everybody's screaming for their rights. Jesus just shed all of his and said, I'm not really worried about that. He was publicly humiliated, brutalized. He was abused. He was executed publicly. He endured all of that to reconcile you and I back to him. And pride in a moment like that would say, no way, man. I'm not giving my life for these people. They totally don't deserve it. Are you kidding me? I am not doing this. I'm not going through with this. But Jesus, as the offended, sinned against party, initiates reconciliation with every single one of us. He loved us that much. And even, ladies and gentlemen, please don't miss this, even while he was dying on the cross, bleeding to death on that Roman cross, he cries out to his father and he prays, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. I want you to think about this for just a second. 
What if this was our attitude and our approach to every relationship in our life right now? Isn't it true that there's like almost nothing you couldn't work through with somebody else if you brought that kind of a heart? But, but, but that is zero pride. That is ultimate humility. And that's what Jesus did over and over and over again. You see, what Jesus taught us was that only humility will get you out of what pride got you into. It's the only way out. It is the only way to freedom. It is the only way to live if you truly want to be free, if you truly want to be a follower of Jesus. It's beautiful how the Apostle Paul later takes this story of the cross and he parlays it into an explanation of how we're to treat one another, how we're to treat every other human beings that, that you will ever come in contact with, you'll ever talk about, talk with on the phone or lock eyes with on the street or pass in the grocery store, every person that you'll ever come in contact with. Jesus said this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, and if you would, read these highlighted words with me. He says, in your relationships, what relationships, Paul? With one another. That's everybody, right? In your relationships with everybody, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So what is the mindset you're talking about, Paul? Well, he begins to explain. The rest of this passage talks about it. Who being in the very nature of God... <clears throat> In other words, this was his actual position, not just in this world, but in the universe, is that he was the very nature of God. He was the God-man. He was God with flesh on him. He was God. He says, who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He says, I am going to voluntarily submit myself to those that I'm over. I'm going to put myself voluntarily under those that I am over. Nobody does this. Nobody does this. Jesus is in a category all by himself here. And he's showing us to the extent in which he wants us to live a life free of pride and truly learning to love other people. He says this, Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a, let's say it together, of a, of a servant. That's what he assumed. That was the role he assumed, even though his position, his actual position, was God. He assumed the role of servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he, let's say it together, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. That's how far he was willing to go even death on a cross, like the worst possible death, most excruciating way to die. He chose that. Jesus shows us right here that it is only the humility of Jesus that will get you out of what pride got you into. And, and what Jesus is showing us here too, he's not asking you to be crucified for your relationships or for your friends. He's just asking you to admit when you're wrong. Apologize. Acknowledge other people. He's just asking you to reconcile with someone, to forgive, to make it right, to ask for forgiveness yourself. He's asking you to serve other people like you've never served other people around you before in your life. 
And the, the, the thing that's going to make you want to pause and hesitate and to say, I don't know, this sounds too radical, this is too scary, I don't know if I can do this, you know what that reveals? Guess who's got the remote? Pride. It's going to try to rob you. It's going to try to keep you. But the moment you give it all over to Jesus, the invitation to follow Jesus is a simultaneous invitation to unfollow pride. And the moment that we say, Jesus, because that's what he's asking for. He's saying, listen, come and follow me and give me the remote. Let me have it. I created you. I know everything about you. You can trust me. I love you. Look at the extent at which I was willing to go to show that love to you. You don't have anything to worry about. Give me the remote. I will bless your life, not harm it. I've got a great future for you, but you've got to trust me. You've got to trust me. And it's in the trusting and giving over that God begins to diminish and disappear the pride of your life. Because as you begin to adopt the humility of Jesus, pride will get smaller and smaller and smaller. And ultimately, it will kill that part of you called pride. And when it finally dies, when it dies, you will become more alive in Jesus than you ever dreamed possible. It is awesome how freeing it is to live the way he calls us to and that he created us to live. And I want to encourage you today, that you, would you be willing? And maybe it's just in one area of your life, it's some area that you're like, oh, no, 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 that's my guilty pleasure. That's my thing that I don't want to, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to... But would you be willing to surrender it all to him today? Would you be willing to ask a tough question in prayer to God before we leave today? God, where has pride diminished my capacity as a man, as a woman, as a college student? Where has pride done that to me? And, and, and even have the guts to ask somebody who knows you well enough that will tell you the brutal truth about your current reality. They'll say... Yeah, you're doing pretty good in several areas, but in this one area, you got some work to do. And I love you enough to tell you the truth, okay? And, and I think we need to be willing to ask that question and to be willing to say, God, and I lay it down. I give you the remote. I'm trusting you, and I'm willing to pick up this radical humility of Jesus and begin to learn to live it out. I'm learning more every single day. Just asking the Lord, help me to take the next step, the next step, the next step. And I want to ask you just to join me on that journey. Here's the prayer I'm asking you to pray with me today. It's simply saying, Jesus, I surrender all my pride to you today, even the parts of your pride that you're not even totally aware of just yet. And you're willing to say, show me where it has diminished my capacity. And this might be asking other people. Jesus also speaks through his people at times wisdom into your life that you've got to be willing to sit still for it. You've got to be willing to ask for it. Because some of the wisest people in your life that could give you amazing insight into this area are never going to just come up and volunteer it. You're going to have to ask for it. And finally... It's just simply saying, today, Jesus, I'm handing you the remote of my life. I'm handing it over. I'm trusting you, whatever's about to happen next. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.